Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. Awash Burn University Broadcast Journalism graduate, Nicole D. Hayes resides in Washington, D.C. and is committed to serve as a vessel of compassion, instruction, love, and truth for Jesus Christ. She is a member of the Greater Mount Calvary Holy Church in Washington, D.C. Drawn to know Christ in her early childhood, Nicole desires to uplift and empower others with a particular burden for women and girls, young people, and disenfranchised persons living in oppressed environments. In September of 2008, she began Pieces of Life LLC, a Washington, D.C.-based media relations consultancy, operating with a company and professional mantra of making an investment in people. 
She serves nonprofit organizations and small businesses who desire to share their stories but lack in-house expertise or budget to hire a full-service agency. Prior to beginning her business, she provided communication strategies for large consumer and government clients with international public relations agency Fleischman Hillard Incorporated in Washington, D.C. Her media successes for clients are too numerous to fully list, but some of her national placements include the following. The Associated Press, BlackEnterprise.com, CNN America Morning, Essence.com, Politico, Steve Harvey Morning Show, The Big Idea with Donnie Deutsch, The Tavis Smiley Show, both radio and television, TheGrio.com, MSNBC.com, and The Tom Joyner Morning Show. In May of 2011 through 2013, Nicole served as Director of the Women's Leadership First, a women's leadership division of national leadership development organizations. The Women's Leadership First served to positively direct, educate, strengthen, and uplift girls and women, placing them closer to their specific life purposes. The program engaged women of varying ages, backgrounds, and cultures with a goal of empowering women as positive change agents for future generations, despite societal pressures. Led by a move of the Holy Spirit in 2013, Nicole launched Voices Against the Grain, a bold teaching blog designed to help audiences advance God's kingdom in a do-your-own-thing society. In September of 2013, Nicole added a weekly radio show to the media ministry platform to discuss topics with guests to equip believers and non-believers. Nicole D. Hayes, welcome to A Measure of Truth. Well, good afternoon or good evening, and thank you for having me on the show, Michael. Well, Nicole, thank you for joining us. You know, I've had some great conversations with you, and I just couldn't wait to get you on because you've got so much to share. And the tricky part is just where to begin. Right. <laughs> well, well, tell us a little bit about um, your, your childhood and coming up and your interest in journalism, and we're going to try to sort of frame the uh, the shows and the um, the outreach that you're doing right now, help people understand that woman behind uh, the magic. Well, thank you again, Michael. A pleasure to be here with you and your listeners on A Measure of Truth and just a blessing. You know, as far as my childhood and framing my writing, I have to say I, I got it naturally. My mom, who has since passed, you know, wrote books, wrote poetry. And I had a love for writing stories as a child. I remember in my young, maybe kindergarten or first grade, what have you, we, you know, wrote a story and my mom posted it, posted it on our um, kitchen refrigerator. And from there on, I was just, inspired to write, and from then on, I remember being in the fifth and sixth grade, and I loved to write uh, mystery stories. I, I read The Hardy Boys, I read Nancy Drew, and I read mm. several other <laughs> mystery Oh, Agatha Christie was also my favorite. And, yeah. you know, I began writing mystery stories, so I had a group of girlfriends in our fifth or sixth grade where we would come together and write these mysteries, and Lo and behold, it, became, it grew into a notebook, and I, that notebook is since in storage. But that really began probably, probably the foundation of my writing, and also that I was a strong reader. My mom, um, to her credit, enrolled my brother and I in a book club. So every month we were receiving <clears throat> books you know, that we would read, and uh, I had a col- quite a collection on my bookshelf at home, and that also helped develop my writing. 
Yeah, and and tell us though about your your specific interest in journalism. What do you think um, tapped into that? What what made you aware of journalists first of all, um, and understanding why it is that you wanted to play a role in this field? You know, Michael. I, for me, I've always enjoyed telling people's stories, particularly mm-hmm. particularly those who are may not be heard or the stories may not get told. So for me, I've always taken a passion in uplifting people and. Again, perhaps it's a gift of exhortation, mind you, of, of a way of, of, of leveraging people and celebrating them and celebrating their gifting, celebrating their talents. And I found journalism as a way to do that. Now, a lot of the stories that I wanted to tell, I learned in my journalism college classes that if it leaves, it leaves. Well, a lot of the stories I wanted to tell weren't the kind of sensationalized stories we're seeing mm-hmm. today. I really wanted to get it. I really wanted to to hearken and get to those people who are doing great things in our community or they're starting a business or they have a nonprofit, they have a cause that's going to advance good things in our society. And I remember my college professor telling me, you know, Nicole, that's not going to get rating. But for me, that was my passion. That was my desire, excuse me, to uplift people and uplift the things that they're doing to contribute towards society. But also enjoyed watching you know, the news. And for me, I still to this day, the only reason I really have cable is to get the cable news channels <laughs> because <laughs> I truly enjoy watching the news. And I like staying abreast about, you know, on top of what's going on in our world. I like being able to frame it in particular dialogues. Living in Washington, D.C., as I, as I do, it's imperative that we are, and working in the media field, it's imperative that we know what's going on, who's involved, and how it might impact the, the work that I'm doing if I'm pitching um, media personnel. Right. And, you know, explain to our listeners a little bit about what you see when you hear the stories um, that are presented in media and, and what, what are their feelings or how is it that you feel that um, things could be done better and um, how things have changed over the course of the years as well? Well, great question, Michael. And for your listeners, I, you know, perhaps am like you and others, Really, when I went to journalism school, it was a school of, you know, vet your sources, do your research, and, you know, don't be so quick to tell the story without having all your facts. Make sure that you've got a source to attribute your quotes to. All of those things to ensure that the message that you're putting forth and that the information you're putting forth is sound and that it's validated and and credible. And a lot of times, you know, right now we're in this particular age where, Anybody and everybody can be a, a journalist to some aspect because we have the blogs, we have online media, we have social media, which has enabled everybody to be, in some respects, their own journalist. And so now we're at a point where we have to really better information, and we see a lot of times where information just comes out that's not true. And I know there's been a couple of times even the cable news networks wanting to have that space of being first to release news some of those cable news networks I won't mention have been first to say something that they report on news and to find out that they are not correct and so they have to do a retraction or they have to apologize. They have to fall on the sword, so to speak, to apologize. So in a, in a time for now where everyone wants to be first, everyone wants to be heard, everyone, everyone wants to garner that large space of the media, you have to do so with credibility. You have to do so with accountability and a responsibility to your to your listeners, to your audience, to your readers, that the information that you're providing is also the bare fact. It's not biased. It is 
what I call the marketplace of ideas and information where you're presenting all the cards on the table and allowing the media and allowing your audience to make their own informed decisions and not really steering them one way or the other. That's how the media, in my opinion, has changed. And uh, that's what I've really seen in the last few years with our media space. And, you know, you've had some very, very broad experience, and you've had the opportunity to work with a, a number of different agencies, some of those entertainment, some of those news-related. And um, so your voice is really of experience and of expertise. And um, I just wanted to, um, you know, just talk a little bit about some of your um, your pathway to where you are today and just give our listeners, because I've talked a little bit about it, but, you know, Try to um, give people a sort of a synopsis of your progression in journalism. Well, I have to say I came to the game a little late. So for anyone who has perhaps started a path late, this is a story to encourage you. Uh, frankly, Michael, I, you know, had always had a passion for journalism and writing. And I began at the University of Kansas at, right, out of college, right out of high school, which would have been out of high school in uh, 1992, and uh, went to University of Kansas in Lawrence. I'm still a fan of our KU Jayhawks, uh, number one in basketball. But uh, what happened was I did not do well academically at the University of Kansas. So in essence, I had you know taken a large load of classes and found myself you know literally on academic probation, if, to be quite frank with you. So I returned home quite you know, and it was just a series of events that happened that year that. I returned home feeling quite defeated and really kind of said, you know what, I don't need education to, to be successful. I kind of attributed, attributed myself to, if you recall the character on the Cosby show, Denise, she was kind of like, I don't need education. I'm talented. I'm gifted. And I really kind of felt like that was me. And I began working for a, a friend of mine, you know, an electric, electrical company back home, and then I also worked for our uh, Kansas Attorney General, and I did, did some retail work. And a good friend of mine who has been a friend and brother in Christ for the, since the mid-90s, he, he knew my potential more than I knew my potential. And he, his name is Hakeem Hazim, and I love him dearly. He came to me and he said, Nicole, education is your doorway to options. And he really just implored uh, with me that education was going to be my way to doing the things that God was purposing for me to do. Uh, in essence. So for me, it was, okay, um, he wouldn't allow me to sit on my laurels and to, and to feel defeated in that, in that moment. So I went back to school, went to uh, Allen County Community College in uh, Kansas and restored my credits, got my GPA back up, and then I went to Washburn University to complete uh, my schooling. And at that point, I needed to do uh, an internship to uh, finish my, my credits. And my aunt, Alice Brown, who lives in Topeka, God love her. She knew I was interested in doing broadcast journalism because that was what my degree is, was in. And she said, well, Nicole, she was a volunteer for AARP in their, in their Midwest district, and she was often in their D.C. office for meetings and what have you. And she said, Nicole, there was going to be an opening uh, for an internship in AARP's magazine. And I really, at first, turned my nose about it because I was like, Alice, it's a press print media. I want to do broadcast, <laughs> you know, not realizing where God was really trying to lead me because I was only seeing one side of the coin. Well, turns out, she said, you know what, go ahead and submit your writing samples and just, just see what happens. And sure enough, I submitted my writing samples to them and they accepted me for the internship. Now, mind you, I was already in my 
mid-20s or late-20s or early-30s at that point. I think it was my late-20s. And so I was, again, I, while I was starting this path late, I was also well-positioned to accept a position and, you know, with maturity and with life skills under my belt that some others may not have had coming to the table. And I, you know, really packed up my apartment in Topeka, Kansas quickly and made that trip to Washington, D.C. in September 2005 and from there did that internship, which allowed me to meet a lot of great people and interface with some great uh, folks on the editorial team and I learned how to put together the magazine content. Well, from there, they were prepared to build a studio at AARP in their D.C. offices, but the studio wasn't going to be ready uh, for me before my internship ended in that December. I was hoping it would be because I wanted to stay on and turn my turn my, uh, my position there into a broadcast position, but they said, you know, it's not going to be ready. Long story short, a colleague who also was there said, you know what, you have a strong writing, why don't you submit your writing samples to Fleischman Hiller where they do uh, internships uh, you know, for public relations. And Quite frankly, I was, again, like, man, this is taking me in a different direction than I had intended. But I went ahead and obediently submitted my writing samples and, uh, praise God, was accepted into their internship position. And, again, I'm coming into the position, uh, you know, more mature, more life skills in my belt. And as I'm older than some of those who were coming into that internship uh, in that internship pool. Uh, and then from there on, I, you know, really went from internship to uh, full-time placement Fleischman Hill, and it was a wonderful training ground, a wonderful experience, two and a half years there of really cutting my teeth on pitching media, writing press releases, writing media advisories, pitching media, going on the ground, on-site to events, and coordinating media interviews. Uh, I worked often with celebrities and uh, television producers to do welcome home ceremonies and interviews for some of our soldiers returning from Afghanistan and Iraq, and you know, also you know, coordinated uh, interview print and radio interviews, and prepared talking points. So it was a really great training ground to cut my teeth on what would become a way for me to launch my own consultancy, which is now Cases of Life, and I've been doing that now since September 2008. And quite frankly, when I left Fleischman Hiller, it was at a point when we were just, and our country was just at the start of our recession. That would have been uh, July 2008. And I was a feeling in my spirit I wanted to do something to help who at that time I called a little guy, meaning that the small business owner of a nonprofit who didn't have a large budget, like the clients I was servicing at Fleischman Hill with a large, larger corporate or government clients, and these persons still had a message, they still had a, a product to get out, but they didn't have anybody in their in-house to help with their media needs, mm-hmm. or they didn't have a budget as big as we had at Fleischman. So I said, these folks still need my expertise. Uh, money was not an issue as far as it was the passion that, that drove me. Yeah, and yeah. Essentially, essentially, it was uh, in July of that, that 2008, I submitted my two weeks notice because I was just felt an entree from the Holy Spirit to say, you know, step out on faith, and I got you. And lo and behold, a friend of mine, a uh, dear friend of mine and sister in Duluth, Minnesota, she uh, started an apron business. Her name is Rachel Hart, and she owns uh, Apron Elegance. You go to apronelegance.com, and she was uh, making these fabulous handmade uh retro couture aprons, and she was needing mm-hmm. media, media push to get her aprons out into a public that had not heard of her, and she was wanting to do a Christmas, you know, holiday launch, and we had a lot of work to do in that, um, in a, like, a three-month time frame, and it was great because at that point, she was, tra- I know, I'm, to, to this day, I'm very grateful to her because she 
and, and her husband entrusted my expertise to help manage their media launch. And it was, we saw so many victories in that, in that time frame. And we just, and to this day, I praise God that she allowed me to um, be, part of that, be part of that process. Wow. You know, Nicole, we've had quite a few conversations, and, and it's amazing yeah. to me that all these things that I'm hearing about you and your career and, um, you know, just where you come from. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all of this is new, even though we've had some very intense and, and very in-depth conversations, and, and it's just yeah. amazing. I was just sitting here just taking it all in. Um, when, I, when I first saw your bio, uh, this is the first time I knew a lot of those things about you. And, and just about your your um, your resume and um, just how much experience you had, I was totally blown away by it. So that's one of the things I wanted to pick out first. But the other thing is, uh, we have similar passions and ideas about um, media, and also about yeah. reaching out and affecting and impacting um, the lives of people. And um, yeah. and and it's amazing how there's so many different similarities. But then there are these things that we went in different directions. I went to broadcasting school back in the 80s, and I was separated from the industry for quite some time as well and finally got back in, and it was almost by accident. And uh, I believe that it's because of um, this thing that allows everyone to pretty much be a journalist, but citizen journalism, too, has its responsibilities as well. And I think it's those of us who do have a background in media who not only understand how to um, navigate this in a way that we don't put ourselves in a bind, but also um, have some you know, uh, a concrete platform to stand on to understand the power of our words as well and the messages that we put out there. So, you know, I'm just excited because not only do you have that from the journalism perspective, but also you have a great deal of knowledge and understanding about public relations, too. And to put all of those together, I mean, that that's a really potent mixture of um, talents to be able to share with the world. You know what, I thank you, Michael, for that, and thank you for sharing your story. And, you know, it, it, that dichotomy of, of, you know, having journalism and also public relations allows you to see both sides of the news desk and to see how a reporter might respond when you're pitching something to a, a reporter and to determine if they'd be interested. And you kind of learn how, okay, how to shape and craft your pitch and, you know, building that rapport with a reporter. And also from, you know, the journalism side, you learn – you know, what's going what's gonna to be a story. So, yes, I was blessed, you know, not understanding the journey at the time and how God was ordering my stuff all along, although I didn't quite see it. I have been afforded the opportunity to see both sides of the news desk, so to speak. And also I did a brief stint with our um, local CBS affiliate back home at Topeka as a studio camera operator. That's a whole other story, but it was uh, at a time when, Studio cameras are not run by robots. So you have to, I was literally, you know, I'm about 120-some-odd pounds and moving around a large <laughs> uh, <laughs> camera on a pedestal. But it right. also allowed me to see another side of the news desk, you know, getting the shots in and making sure that I was panning and doing all the right things and making sure that I was cutting the break when necessary. But it allowed me to see all the things that come into play, mm. and it gave me a sensitivity to journalists when I, or reporters or editors when I'm pitching them, particularly television folks, you know, what time of day is a good time to pitch them and, oh, I don't want to pitch them at this time because they may be going to their newscast here shortly or they're going on, going on air shortly. So it gave me a greater sensitivity, mind you, that of uh, their time and of 
things that might be impacting their schedule. So I knew how to kind of gauge that before I, I came in with my, my pitch to them. All right. So that's a great segue, I think, to go ahead and talk about your show. I want to go with the the idea and the concept and the need for your show. And I want you to first start by defining the, the title of your show, Voices Against the Grain. Tell us about that. Yes. Voices Against the Grain. This was a project that, you know, Praise God came to be earlier uh, March of 2013. Uh, I was having a conversation with my dentist. I had a, my six months uh, dental appointment and sat in her chair, and she's also a Christian. Oh, I have to interrupt, and, and you have beautiful teeth, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I tell you, uh, grateful. My mom had good teeth, and also uh, she, we've been brushing with Crest. I'm not to plug a particular brand, but brushing with Crest <laughs> forever. And my dentist is serious about flossing twice, so I floss every chance that I get. I've not had a cavity one, so I tell you, there's something to that. But Gratefully, I was sitting in her chair, and she and I were talking about just some of the things that we're seeing in our environment with our young people particularly, you know, from our mm-hmm. girls and some of the things that we're hearing come out of their mouths and some of the behaviors that we see that they are, they are accepting between these young girls and boys and how they're engaging one another, you know, sexually or just what have you. And it really almost um, saddened our spirit because we're seeing just how the moral fabric of our society is really coming apart at the scene, And we're like, what can we do? Because not to disparage anyone, but a lot of our young people are looking for role models or are looking for people who uh, they want to emulate. And a lot of our young people are emulating a lot of the celebrity people they see on television that have the biggest platform right now, you know, mm-hmm. from your, you know, I want to say Rihanna to your Beyonce to whomever. And so a lot of those behaviors, are being exhibited in what we see with our young people. And she was just sharing with me, kind of unloading on me, her, her burden and this, this kind of sadness she had for what she was seeing. And I said, well, you know, what can we do? Uh, how can we develop a platform that truly allows people to live free but yet not conform to society's values? I mean, how can we help people nav- navigate successfully in a society that, you know, packages various deceptions that makes people feel good, but they, at the end of the day, they end up in more bondage rather than more freedom. Mm-hmm. So I said, how do, we, how do we get to this point? And it was literally at that moment, getting out of her chair, going home, you know, and that later that week, that the Holy Spirit really put in me, you know, voices against the grain and creating a platform. It really was starting out as a blog, Michael, and, that's, and mm-hmm. then the radio show developed later on, but creating a platform that was going to be bold and a more of a teaching ministry platform that would help people be able to navigate successfully in this world. It was created with a, at least four key objectives. And those four key objectives, I'll share with you briefly, and you and your audience, and those four objectives would include, uh, one, bringing clarity and restoration from deception. You know, one, one thing I, I see often, my colleagues and I see often, is that people are, really enticed by the things that the world offers, whether it's, you know, how, how the world defines relationships, how the world defines sex, how the world defines this and that. So I said, you know what? God's word is the same today as it was yesterday, and we have to just bring him the word of God and what his word says about relationships, what his word says about sex. And so we, he said, we want to blow away the fog so that the, that clarity can be restored and that the, fusion, and the confusion is blown away. Second, we said we're going to educate and equip people 
We're going to help them, you know, understand God's word and help them live abundantly and navigate successfully in a world that is ever-changing. But again, God's word is forever constant. And we know that God's word is not a, not a buffet. You can't just pick and choose what you want to follow in God's word. And we, we choose to accept God's word as a whole and operate in his, in his word, whether we're at home or at work or what have you. Third, we said we're going to encourage each other by sharing stories with other, by, with other believers and encourage others that they are not alone in the struggle. I mean, we all go through something. We all have to navigate in this world and society that challenges our morals, challenges our character every day. And so if we're going to share stories of other people who are also believers and they, they share their struggles and things that God has helped them overcome and letting folks know that they're not alone. And fourth and last, uh, our last and fourth objective was, is to love and truth. So while we're sharing the truth of people, our goal is not, or intent is not to disparage anyone, but to disparage Satan and his counterfeit schemes. You know, we want to say that we're going to tell you the truth, how much truth can you take, Trust that we're going to share the truth with you in in love. Wow. That's heavy. Those are some powerful um, guidelines for um, a show. And and tell us how you've been able to incorporate that into your radio show. And, um, you know, give us an idea of of the types of guests you had and um, how you're able to sort of um, bring out the truth and um, the misconceptions of, um, you know, whatever it is, the topic that you're trying to clarify. Well, you know, honestly, it's been a, it's been a blessing to see how the how God has really brought guests to the show. You mm-hmm. would think that I've been airing the show since last September, and I air it once a week on Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time. <clears throat> it's not the ideal time to have a guest on the show. It's the middle of the day, but it's the time that works best for me and my schedule at the moment. And he's just been steadily bringing people to the show who, you know, particularly our young people, you know, have a story to share or a struggle that they've overcome. I've had guests on the show who are, uh, are you know, artists who are, as far as, you know, Christian rap artists, they, who are pastors, who are uh, what have you, and people who bring different uh, conversation pieces to the table. So we have, we have talked about how people can overcome uh, various drug-addicted lifestyles or gang lifestyles, or we've talked about uh, the prosperity gospel, how people have, how some of the churches have twisted the prosperity gospel, when really it's not about, you know, God, give me this, give me that. It's really, are you prospering in the things that God has given you? Are you prospering in your purpose? So we, 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 we seek to provide clarity for people uh, so that they are not going out uh, deceived, essentially. We talk about uh, relationships. We talk about, you know, sexual and abstinence sometimes. We talk about a, a host of things that are going on in our society today because we truly want to equip and empower people. And if we equip and empower people, they will likely equip and empower others. And we have just been committed to be salt, light, and truth in areas of darkness. You know, uh, we know that the enemy occupies at various areas of our society, and we have just been committed to bringing salt, light, and truth to those areas so that we can remove the, the blinders and people can begin to really see what truly is freedom, what truly is hope, what truly is love, and the peace that God offers. Um, Satan has, been, has done a great job of counterfeiting and masterminding very big deceptions about what God intends for certain things. And so we just, we just seek to bring clarity, clarity to those areas. Wow, that's great. And, you know, and that's a brave undertaking, you know, because, um, you know, yeah. most of 
well, most of media, we all try to produce a show, and our primary focus is to, you know, get our show out to the largest audience possible. And so that sometimes softens, um, you know, your objectives. But yours is a laser focused on doing specifically what you feel God has um, purposed you to do. And um, I just have to, you know, give you kudos for that and just, you know, following, um, you know, the instruction of God to be able to do what you do. And, And that's really, really big. Because when you when you put yourself out there, especially for all the world to hear, you know, you you can't really do that and stand on your own. (laughs) I'm telling you. You got to have your help. You got to know you're connected to something that's going to um, help to keep you centered and focused, you know, because I'm sure that you've dealt with, um, you know, um, people being able to reach out to you on Twitter and on Facebook and various other forms in your blog. And, and you've had those battles. So, you know, it, it's just not easy. And um, for you to be able to, to do that consistently and stay with the process, um, it, it shows a lot of wherewithal as well. well so. have, and you're right, Michael, and I have to say there's two things. There, one, when I, when I launched the page on May 28, 2013, I know it's the exact day when I launched the blog and published it and put it on, you know, social media platforms, it was like, okay, I'm out here now. I can't go back. You know, because at some point, you know, people know me. They know that I'm a Christian. They know, you know, I carry myself in a certain manner. That I, my, characters, my character traits are this or that. But once you put full blast 100% of who you are, what you believe, what, you know, what you support, what your, what your objectives are, there, for me, there was no going back. And... But in some sense, uh, it was also liberating because I was like, you know what? I no longer have to shape shift or uh, be someone in one situation or be someone in another situation. It was truly like I'm out here. This is how, who I am. This is what he's called me to do. Uh, like it or not, I'm going to always tell you the truth. And sometimes, I, you know, when I make a blog post or have a radio show on a particular topic, I told friends, sometimes I hear, cric- I hear crickets because... <laughs> Not always popular, <laughs> um, but we don't. We don't. The gospel is not meant to be a feel good, feel good gospel because mm-hmm. it's really meant to heal folks. And so, if somebody's dealing with a, a pain or a past or an injury, it really is about you know bringing restoration and healing to those broken areas. And sometimes it's not, and sometimes it is painful to get the truth or hear the truth. But ultimately, it brings healing and freedom and restoration, and that's what our ultimate goal is. Mm, that's great. That's great. And um, I did want to talk a little bit, too, about um, some of the work you've done with nonprofits and some of the Mm -hmm. um, associations that you've worked with. And um, we mentioned it earlier about um, your focus on um, the disenfranchised and uh, especially women and young girls. Tell us a little bit about that. This has been on probably, probably since I was a child. My brother and I, you know, that's part of the reason why we founded Pieces of Life when we were Raised, my mom and my dad truly gave us a heart for people who were less fortunate than us. And uh, I grew up in suburban, uh, suburban area of uh, Kansas and uh, predominantly all white community. But we were like really concerned about at that time uh, issues about homelessness or hunger that was pretty prevalent. Um, things that were going on in Africa, things that were going on in the world, really impacted my brother and I. We said, "Gosh, wish we could just." load up trucks of food and drive them, you know, 
to Africa and just feed all the hungry. Well, of course, we didn't, under, you know, at that time we were so small, we didn't understand the logistics that would be involved at that time. But it was a, a passion that we felt. And so that kind of birthed what the premise and mantra of Pieces of Life is, is making our investment in people. And that has continued to be our mantra personally and professionally today. And so my brother, he does volunteer work back home in Kansas. Myself, I volunteer uh, every month at my homeless ministry at my church and I have for the past seven years. And, you know, I also have a passion for, you know, helping our particularly our young girls and to help mentor them and help them avoid some of the world's trappings and whatnot so they can be successful changing change agents in our society. And I also, you know, support different organizations that are helping women to become uh, economically and financially free for the, if they live in war-torn zones or areas that are very oppressed. I definitely like to support uh, organizations that work to help women uh, become financially independent and economically dependent so that they can um, stand on their own. So, there's always been, so it's been a passion since I was a child. You mentioned your brother as well. Um, so you guys put this together yourselves, and, and this started way back when again? Oh, so this began uh, in, initially, I would say officially in September 2008, was, was, a, was the birth of Pieces of Life. Uh, mm-hmm. And actually, the name comes from a book that our mom wrote, which we still need to publish, but it, she wrote a book of poems dealing with, about life situations, and it was called Pieces of Life. So we, we titled wow. the company name, She Has Since Passed, but we titled the company name after her book. Now, the way that Pieces of Life started, like, like I said, I left uh, Fleshman Hillard, you know, after feeling an opportunity from the Holy Spirit to start, and literally the day I quit, um, I client, I know your friend and sister, I helped, you know, the next day, wrote out her communications plan. But when I called my brother, who's more, my brother is more of a planner, he's more of a, uh, wants to make sure all the blocks are checked before he does anything, I literally called him and I said, you know, his name, his name is Brian. I said, Brian, uh, I, I quit my job. <laughs> and, you know, for me, I, I'm a woman of faith. I step out on faith. If I feel something, I'm going to move on it. And literally, uh, he dropped the phone when I called. He dropped the phone. And I had to call him back because I knew that I, what I had said had shocked him, that I had made this move kind of without his consultation. So, but literally, uh, I called him back and explained, you know, what, what was going on, and God has been providing ever since. And that was five, that was almost five years ago. Wow. So I definitely, <laughs> I definitely, definitely, and that was, you know, like I said, at the height of our, you know, the start of our recession, we've gone through recession, um, but God continues to provide. When God gives you a vision, he will always give you the provision as well. And I just want to say, share that with folks who, you know, maybe have something stirring in their spirit or a dream that they want to do, and they're not sure how they're going to get there, but you feel like this is a movie that you should make. And if it's of God, just know that he will uh, give you the provision to go out there. So that's essentially how it started. And we started with her media plan. It was Labor Day weekend in September 2008. And literally, you know, we got the budget approved and we hit the ground running with her holiday outreach for her apron. And uh, wow. it was a great, really great, great time. And we had, like I said, a lot of victories in that, in that season. And it was just uh, exciting every time we... Secure a media interview, print, radio, television. We just were excited. I, I think my neighbors probably thought I was getting stabbed because I was just always excited that we were getting media hits, but it was just our affirmation to both of us that this was something that God, you know, was certainly ordering our steps on. So. Now, Nicole, uh, you, you mentioned your mom's poems, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm sort of curious now. Um, 
you wouldn't happen to have that book handy and have a poem that you might want to share with us, would you? You know, actually, uh, I have the book. If you give me a minute, I can go to my uh, computer here and pull up the manuscript. She wrote, you know, several poems. Like I said, she passed in 1989 at the young age of 40. Uh, she had colon cancer. Um. And it was, you know, a turning point in my life as far as faith goes because I have to say at that time I was very much a get-along gang, go along with the flow, and at that time, she had decided to not pursue further doctor help, and she just, you know, decided that she, you know, was just trusting God for healing, and I didn't want to, you know, rock the boat by changing her mind or what have you, so I let it be. Well, again, she since passed, and passed in 1989, and maybe it was at that point, maybe <clears throat> beyond that, I started to say, you know, um, I'm not going to be a wallflower anymore, I'm going to you know, speak my mind, I'm going to say what's on my heart to do. But she wrote several poems, you know, perhaps more than 100 of these poems, and again, the book is called Pieces of Life. And she, like me, she worked at a corporation back home. She was a supervisor, and she quit her supervising job to write these books. And uh, I can certainly... Find one here, one here to read you. Yeah, absolutely. And if you need a minute, I can take a quick two-minute break and we can come back. Will you be ready by then? I'll be ready by then. Okay, awesome. We'll go ahead and do that. And okay. we'll hear a poem from Pieces of Life right after this. Okay. Social Digital Media Incorporated is a 501c3 not-for-profit member-supported digital multimedia production facility. Structured to serve the public and independent producers of digital media, primarily for the web. Social Digital Media Incorporated offers state-of-the-art member-funded digital recording studios to allow its members to create portable, professional-quality digital video and audio productions that can easily be rebroadcast using any number of the hundreds of web syndication services currently available. In a nutshell, it's public broadcasting for today's generation. To put it plainly, any person or organization that could benefit from the exposure of radio, TV, or video will benefit from the low-cost resources made available through Social Digital Media Incorporated. Our goal is to help promote a digitally inclusive society through emerging digital media production standards that empower its members by providing a digital gateway that provides the tools and personnel needed to produce professional, inexpensive multimedia formats on a digital, portable platform to capture, deliver, and broadcast their message to the world. We are working towards our goal of opening the doors of a state-of-the-art studio to a community of passion-led artists who have a gift to share with the world they impact. We are already in the process of creating a new culture of mentors and apprentices equipped with the advanced production skills taught via informal education systems that will foster a brand new learning environment for bridging the digital divide. We move art from concept to impact because social digital media moves the world from disconnected to connected. Find out how to help us reach our goal at socialdigitalmedia.org. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. When we're on with Nicole, who's about to share with us um, one of her mom's poems from Pieces of Life, a book yet to be published here on A Measure of Truth. 
Well, thank you, Michael, and appreciate again being on the show and a privilege to speak with you and your and your listeners. And thank you for the opportunity to share a poem. Like I said, she has over 165 poems in this particular um, what we call Volume One of her uh, her book, Pieces of Life. And um, I'll read, like I said, one of the poems from her book. This one does speak to homelessness, which is again a, a passion of mine to uh, help reduce or eliminate. <clears throat> and this poem is entitled. It doesn't only happen to the other guy. It is hard to believe in this day and age feeding people is in such demand. A glimpse can be caught from coast to coast focusing on existing hunger in our land. A kaleidoscope of people are just lining up, some trying to make any kind of a deal. It's not surprising what may have been offered when the exchange was the price of a meal. Hunger could care less about your bank account be you rich or be you poor. If you don't have the proper funds, an impressive name won't get you anymore. Men, women, children come one and all. What an unbelievable sight to behold. There really wasn't that much of a choice, being hungry versus integrity they sold. So they they all were not without pride. What an embarrassing ordeal. Can you really be that sure you won't be the next in line for a meal? This can't be happening. Start opening up those crates. Once these were shipped afar, now we need them in the United States. Someday this surely will straighten out, but just how long will it take? The long lines are getting longer. Our country's future is at stake. This is all just so incredible. I wouldn't see it in my wildest dreams. But as I stand here in line, it doesn't happen to the other guy, it seems. So she wrote this poem in, would have been like 1986, 1987, and it certainly could mm-hmm. have exacerbated uh, beyond, beyond then about mm-hmm. our, our situation in our world. And, she, and I, what I love is that she had such a, to me, a foresight of the things that were going to be impacting our world then and now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's, her poems are very relevant, whether it was, you know, again, years ago or, or now. Uh, if you like, I can read another one here just to kind of showcase some of her, a range of her... Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and this one is... And I, again, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you and your, and your listeners here. This one is called uh, Solid Ground. It says, What happens to our lives when there is no sense of direction? Can we alone straighten it out with trial and, and error to make our selection? Some of us are born knowing exactly what we are to do. The rest of us who aren't so lucky may search a lifetime, never finding a clue. Just how do we go about it, this job of finding our season? We know we're here for something. How will we ever know the reason? All of us have a purpose, a special something we have to give. Without a sense of direction, it may remain a mystery as long as I live. What makes this so hard is putting our lives into perspective. I've been told it isn't that difficult if we open our hearts to be more receptive. Well, I said it isn't that hard. This may not be totally true. We'll have to give up control, allowing the Lord this work to do. Some say if they had to do it over again, the mistakes would they make twice. But even if they've made the correction, who's to say they'll take the new advice? What to do with my life? Wasn't that what I heard them say? Since they're still without a solution, try giving in, letting go considering his way. 
Once my own life had no sense of direction, no purpose did I know, I then turned it over to him, giving in, letting go. At the end of our lives, when it's time to look back, after doing only what appeared on the surface, can we guarantee, accept, feel secure that the top layer was really our purpose? Wow. Yeah, that's heavy. That you know, that speaks to me. Even mm. the whole homeless piece, you know? Um, yes. Some of the things that we go through in life, um, and when we hear other people speak about them, we're able to better um, connect with what we went through. A lot of the times when we go through something that's painful, we are too busy trying not to be affected to understand the, the deep lessons that are hidden inside of our trials. So, yeah, that, that's heavy. And I love poetry. Trust me, um, I've had n- a number of poets on the show, and I think it's just very important. It's a it's an important way to tell a story and also to um, to get a message out in a way that people can understand it best and remember its content. So, I thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. And when you when you're sitting there and you're speaking and you're you're speaking your mother's words, tell yeah. us. How does that impact you? What do you feel when when you're you're sitting there and uh, the the wisdom that she's put into this book and you're able to speak that? It's power. It's powerful, you know. And it was something because on that note, people would call. You know, shortly after she passed, <clears throat> her friends would call the house and if I answered the phone, they would say, "Gosh, you sound like your mom," and mm. and I look like her as well. But it was something something very special about reading her words, seeing her words on paper, and um, just the way that she was able to construct them, it was certainly a, a gift because I can write, but I really cannot write poetry. And the way that she really put these words together and they, they run at the end of each stanza and they also convey a, a message and a meaning that just hits you in, in a certain way, it, it's an it's a honor to read her words and... Um, and so this is a goal of my brothers and I to publish her book and share it with the uh, public. Uh, but it's truly a blessing and an honor to read her words and just know at the time that she had an you know, old computer that she was working an old typewriter that she was working from and just uh, you know, nightly wrote out these poems and uh, a lot of them based on our childhood. There's one called My Child, My Child because I was didn't always like to get uh, in trouble, so I would lie sometimes about certain things, and she wrote a poem about, about that. <laughs> there, was a, there was a poem about a squirrel that would run through our backyard every every winter, and I was like, well, that's not the same squirrel, but she, but she, but she wrote a poem about that. So, you know, there were things that she wrote about in our childhood experiences and just life experiences in general, but as I said earlier, they all are relevant uh, today. So, so um, the blessing. You know, and it's a blessing, too, that um, I often tell people who are distraught about losing a loved one, you know, when someone passes, they leave behind within us the thing we admired about them the most, you know, and we we just have to look to find it. And um, when I hear this story of you having this collection of poems from your mom, to me, it, it says you found it. You know, you've got that thing. And um, it, it is a treasure and it's a gift. And um, for you to even want to share that beyond what it is for you with the world is, is a blessing in itself. You know, and it shows a little bit about 
you know, what she's put into you and uh, your ability to still, because something like that has to be extremely personal to both you and your brother. But um, Well, certainly. I mean, and yeah. she left us quite a legacy. Like I said, not only, just, not only just the poems, but like I said, now that we've started a business, you know, in her, in her name and in her honor, but also just life lessons. We, you know, we, there's no way we could have predicted that at 40 years old, you know, she would be taken from us. But um, I truly believe, and you know, my father as well, I truly believe that she prepared us for life. Um, that just unbelievably, like she just somehow knew, uh, I don't want to say knew, but maybe she knew that she would not be with us the entire, you know, the entire journey. And she really prepared us for life. And uh, to this day, I'm just very grateful um, the things that she prepared us for. Yeah, well, uh, and, that, and again, that's just great. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And before we run out of time, I did want you to talk a little bit about your show. Um, uh, where is your blog still active as oh, well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, so give all your contact information and let people know how they can connect with you. Okay, thank you. The blog, again, is called Voices Against the Grain, and we're at voicesagainstthegrain.com. And we blog, you know, every every day if we can, or if not every other day. I have three other, four other contributors on the blog, so it's not just me carrying the content load. It's other people, other people on my team who are contributing content, which not only widens our audience platform, but also gives them an opportunity to share whatever God has laid on their heart. So we have the blog again. That's voicesagainstthegrain.com, and the radio show uh, is on Blog Talk Radio backslash Voices Against the Grain. And we tend to air, if not every Wednesday, every other Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And like your show, Michael, people can listen to it at 1 p.m. Eastern or an hour program, or they can download the program at, uh, at their convenience at a later time. And um, we launched the radio show again. That was in September of 2013. And coming upon a year in May, we'll celebrate having to blog for at least a year in, in May. And as far as Pieces of Life goes, folks can follow Pieces of Life at uh, P-I-E-C-E-S-of-life.com to visit our website there. Uh, you can also uh, send me an email me at uh, Nicole at PiecesOfLife.com. As for the Voices Against the Grain, you can also email us at VoicesAgainstTheGrain uh, at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, uh, uh, Voices Against the Grain. We're also on Twitter, V-A-T-G, the number four in him, so it's V-A-T-G. C-A-T-G for him. And that's probably the best ways to um, contact me. Yeah, and when we connect on Facebook, too, um, add all of that information to your um, the photo I've posted and also to the show. And that way people will be able to go ahead and connect with you that way as well. And uh, it'll okay. be an easy sort of bookmark for them to find you and then, you know, find that information. Okay. All right. Well, look, you know... <laughs> I knew it was going to be an awesome show, but I just didn't know what we were going to get out. So, Nicole Hayes, wow. You know, we we have to have you back on again, and we look forward to that as well because, um, you know, we have um, a like mind when it comes to media and broadcasting. So, you know, I, um, I'm actually playing with some other ideas as well that I'm going to talk with you offline. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely have to talk some more. And it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And I said, you know, you always have to be aware of who God 
person in your past, person in your life, and you and I, you and I met through a mutual friend of a friend, and uh, I just said, you know, you have to be uh, available yeah. and pay attention to those those kind of divine appointments. And right, it's been right. a pleasure getting to know you. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, and, and again, you're right. We share like-minded, like-minded uh, ways about how we want to serve people, and uh, I, I enjoy speaking with you. And I just thank you for the opportunity to be on your show this evening. And I thank you. And uh, again, we'll hear from you again real soon. And we wish you the best on your show. But you know, you've got the right path. And you know, you're doing what God has purposed you to do. And you can only succeed. So, you know, we. Wish you more of the same, and um, we will hear from you again very soon. Thank you, Michael. God bless you. My friends, we should not all try to become teachers. In fact, teachers will be judged more strictly than others. All of us do many wrong things, but if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. By putting a bit into the mouth of a horse, we can turn the horse different directions. It takes strong winds to move a large sailing ship, but the captain uses only a small rudder to make it go in any direction. Our tongues are small too, and yet they brag about big things. It takes only a spark to start a forest fire. The tongue is like a spark. It is an evil power that dirties the rest of the body and sets a person's entire life on fire with flames that come from hell itself. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures can be tamed and have been tamed. But our tongues get out of control. They are restless and evil and always spreading deadly poison. My dear friends, with our tongues we speak both praises and curses. We praise our Lord and Father, and we curse people who were created to be like God. And this isn't right. Can clean and dirty water both flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? Does fresh water come from a well full of salt water? Are any of you wise or sensible? Then show it by living right and by being humble and wise in everything you do. But if your heart is full of bitter jealousy and selfishness, don't brag or lie to cover up the truth. That kind of wisdom doesn't come from above. It is earthly and selfish and comes from the devil himself. Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. But the wisdom that comes from above leads us to be pure friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. When peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they will harvest justice. Wisdom from the Apostles from James 3. And without compromise, a measure of truth. Special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. 
it becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you.